0: Well, brothers and sisters, I have a word. This word is the greatest word that was ever spelled. This word is the greatest word that was ever written. This word is the greatest word... It was ever spoken. This word itself has the power to heal a sick body. This word has the power to forgive a sinful soul. This word has power to save. This is the most powerful word that was ever spelled, written, has ever been or ever will be spoken. And you know what that word is? That word is Jesus. And I'm going to speak that word over you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everybody speak it. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. We're going through Matthew 5. We're in verse 8 this morning. I'd like to recap real quickly the first five verses leading up to verse 8. Jesus starts off by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the poor in spirit are those who understand their spiritual poverty. They understand that apart from him, they can do nothing but sin. They understand that they have nothing to bring. There's nothing that they can do to qualify for heaven. There's nothing they can do to disqualify them. It's only in the blood of Jesus and they come as beggars reaching out to a king. Blessed are those who understand their poverty. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is within us. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn what? Their independence, their lack of abiding. And what happens when we don't abide in him? We abide in our flesh and what happens? We see the fruits, those things that are not lovely, those things that are not joyous, those things that are not patient, those things that are not kind, those things that are impatient, those things that are selfish, lustful. That's what we see. Blessed are those who mourn being in the flesh. For they shall be comforted by the Holy Spirit. Then we talked about blessed are the meek. And who are the meek? Are the meek the weak? No, the meek aren't weak. In fact, Moses of all men on the face of the earth was most meek. And Jesus says of himself, come and learn of me. I am meek and lowly of spirit. So the the lion of Judah, king of kings and lord of lords, ascribes meekness to himself. But meekness isn't weak. Meekness is is power and authority. All that we know of ourselves submitted, submitted to God. Blessed are those, he said, next, who hunger and thirst after righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after all that is good. And actually, Jesus is the embodiment of all that's good. So he says, I am the bread of life. Who who comes to me shall never thirst or hunger. He says, If any man thirst, come to me and drink of me, and out of your heart will flow, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this morning we're going to talk about. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And Jesus was God. You could say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see me. Now, we got some young people in the service today, and I think some of you like Coca-Colas. Well, you know, Coca-Colas are soft drinks. But are all soft drinks Coca-Colas? No. No. There's 7-Up, or they call it Sprite now. There's all kinds of soft drinks. All Cokes are soft drinks, but all soft drinks are not Cokes. And you know what, brothers and sisters? All disciples are Christians, but all Christians are not disciples. And this verse, this verse is a verse for disciples, and it's a hard verse. It's a very hard verse. Jesus said, whosoever does not hate, mother, father, brother, sister, wife, daughter, cannot be my disciple. He said, whosoever does not take up his cross, deny himself daily, and say yes to father, cannot be my disciple. And Jesus said, whosoever does not forsake all that he has, cannot be my disciple. So what is he saying? All he's saying is this. My love, Jesus said, for my father was so great that every other relationship just paled in contrast to that. He said, yes, every moment of my life, I said yes to father, no to myself. He said, I did not come to do my will, but the will of my father who sent me. He said, my meat, my food is to do the will of my father. And in his last moments on earth, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And as a result of that submission, we're sitting here today as part of his family. And, oh yes, as far as forsaking things, Jesus said, yeah, I I just let it all go. I forsook it all. Heaven, everything. My right to myself. So all he's saying is, if you and I don't love him so much that all other relationships pale in comparison to that, if we are not willing to say yes to him and no to ourselves, if we're not willing to forsake all those things that we're abiding in him that are not him, all he's saying is, you can't be like me. Because that's what Jesus did. And a disciple is someone who wants to be like Christ. Jesus didn't say, go do it. He just said, if you want to be like me... (laughs) That's what you'll do. That's what you'll do if you want to be like me. You know, Paul all the time was exhorting people, do this, do this, do this. Jesus just puts the truth right out on the table, and he says, if you want to be like me, that's it. That's what I do. Pure, when we think of pure, we we typically put a moral connotation to it. But the true definition of pure just means unmixed. Unmixed, so gold that 's pure it 's twenty four carat it 's too soft for jewelry you 've got to add alloys into it to make it hard enough to to make a ring that 'll stay on your finger and won 't lose its shape when you put your fingers together Some, if it 's pure salt there 's nothing in there but salt and the pure of heart Jesus is saying is that there there 's no mixture the the motives of our heart, the intent of our heart the The focus of our heart is not mixed. It is single. It is unmixed. The apostle John, who is the one who he says Jesus loved. Actually, Jesus loved all of them, didn't he? But John always referred to himself as I'm the apostle that Jesus loved. Well, the reason that John referred to himself that way, Jesus loved them all. But Jesus let John let Jesus love him. John received it. John basked in that love of Jesus. And the apostle John says, Do not love the world or the things of this world. Because he who loves this world is the enemy of God. Because he says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but it's of the world, and the world passes away. And to the extent we yearn after, to the extent we lust after, to the extent we try to draw our life from the things of this world, we do not draw our life from Father. And we are mixed. We are mixed. The lust of the flesh, those uncontrolled, unbridled appetites for earthly things that satisfy. Have you ever met one of those? The lust of the eyes, the things we want or desire to have for happiness, for peace, for life, apart from Christ. And finally, the pride of life. Seeking acknowledgment and recognition for who we are, what we have, what we've done, who we know, what we look like. There's a lot of lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life going on in the world and going on in the Christian world. And it's not, brothers and sisters, an intent to do evil. It's just that we're looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for security in all the wrong places. We're looking for life in all the wrong places. We're looking for it in every place and everything that is passing and temporal and perishes. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye... The pride of life are not of the Father, but of the world, and the world is passing away. So that mixes us up, and that keeps us from having that pure heart that sees God. Also, James talks about the fact that, you know, you don't receive because you don't ask. And when you ask, you ask wrongly, that you can consume it upon your own Appetites or your own desires. So what happens is is we find peace and rest and truth and life and security in any other place other than Jesus. Then it causes us to be motivated to find those things, to achieve those things. So basically what happens in our relationship to God is we start asking him for a better job and a bigger car or a faster pace. Or this or that, we start our relationship starts being asking him for all these things we desire to have to satisfy us that are not him. (laughs) So what kind of relationship is that? Well, it's he's glad we're asking him. Trust me, because he wants us to talk to him. But it's it's misguided and it's it's about having a relationship with him about things and about things happening. and because our motives are not pure in our prayers the reason our motives aren't pure in our prayers is because we're abiding in a bunch of things that we're not supposed to abide in and therefore he does not answer those prayers or if he does answer those prayers then he puts us in a situation where he will really sanctify us you know brothers and sisters if Jesus never if God never answered a single prayer that you and I pray ever it would be sufficient. Because what he did. On that cross. He doesn't have to do anything else. Every one of us in this room. Was running to hell. Just as fast as we could get there. And he stuck his foot out. And tripped us. Picked us up. Took him into his, us into his arms. And saved us. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Someone has said, the first step in knowing God's will is not caring what it is. Because if you and I care what his will is, that means we have some agenda other than God. See how subtle. We can become mixed. To see God means that you see God, I see God, in our victory, and our defeat, in prosperity, and in want, in popularity, and in disdain sickness and in health we see him in our every circumstance and we feel loved and we feel cared for and we sense his presence because basically as paul said he is our life and if jesus is your life and jesus is my life and we are truly drawing our life from him then circumstances don't affect our life Because our life is not our circumstance. Our life is him. And this is the power of the Christian faith. This is the power that brothers and sisters, you you and I have. This is is what he died for and rose again for that he could give us this this life, this life that is not circumstantial. Everybody in this room is going to get really sick. And everybody in this room is going to really die. Nobody gets out of here alive. You know, it always happens to somebody else. No, it's going to happen to you, and you, and you, and you. And between that, a lot of other things are going to break. And a lot of other things are going to move. And you know what? You and I will break, and we will move with every one of those things, unless we get free from them right now. The pure in heart are those who have gotten free, unmixed, unmixed in their dependence. If you depend on your job, if you depend on your education, if you depend on your husband, if you depend on your wife, if you depend on your horse, if you depend on the government, I tell you what, they will all fail. But if you and I depend upon Jesus, he doesn't break, he doesn't move, he is the rock. And as we move all of our dependence unmixed to him, then when that which is around us moves and breaks you know what we're in a position to be his hands to minister to to love to not become part of the crisis but to bring life in his life into the crisis it's the paradox the best thing you can do for everybody you know every job you're in every task that you're called to do is to take care of yourself you know you get in the airplane they say the oxygen goes down put the mask on yourself then on your child Put the mask on yourself. Abide in him. Understand the pure in heart are those who are pure in their motives, and the reason they're pure in their motives is they have unmixed allegiances. It's not the lust of the flesh. It's not the lust of the eye. It's not the pride of the life. It's a lust for the bread of life. As the men of this world lust after this world, so should we lust. After Christ, and when that happens, you and I will see Him in every man, in every circumstance, in every situation we're in. And when everything moves and everything breaks, we don't move and break with it. Now, let's just bow our heads, and let me just think of a couple um, psalms or parts of psalms that that talk about this kind of heart. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face, O Lord, do I seek. When your mother and father forsake you, I will take you up. Uh, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. As a dear thirst after flowing stream so longs my soul for you, O God. You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, that I may behold your, your glory as I have seen you in the sanctuary. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. My soul shall be satisfied as marrow and fatness when I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. My soul longs, it thirsts for the living God. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. One day in your courts is better than a lifetime elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the unrighteous. Father, we pray that you would give us the grace to love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our mind with a pure heart, that our every thought would be of you, our every longing would be for you, that your will would be what our hearts desire. Our every word would be to your praise. Our every work would be to your glory. That we would desire you and your will and you alone above all else. And in the name of Jesus, we make this prayer. Amen.